Hi, friends and listeners. This is host Stephen Brittingham. Do you happen to have a question or a comment for me? Or perhaps you feel that you might make an interesting guest here on Hollywood and Beyond. Whatever your reason may be, please feel free to contact me anytime directly at the show's official email address. That would be Hollywood and Beyond Show at gmail.com. That is Hollywood and Beyond Show at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you soon. Hi, this is Anna East Eden. You're listening to Hollywood and Beyond with your host, Stephen Brittingham. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to the show, friends and listeners. You are listening to Hollywood and Beyond with Stephen Brittingham. I am Stephen, your host. Thank you for listening. I appreciate that. My guest today is a very talented individual. That is actually putting it lightly, too. He plays the piano with not only impressive skill, but with passion. That's the most important part of all. Speaking of passion... He is passionate about sharing his faith through inspirational and uplifting music. He has taken his music to a a high number of churches all across the country. He's written piano books with music arrangements, and he is currently preparing to release his 20th CD. And we will definitely talk about the significance of number 20 for him. Well, I'll tell you what. How did his journey for playing the piano and discovering his faith all begin? Well, how about we all find out? I'd like to go ahead and welcome him to the show now. Uh, His name is Alex Jolt. Alex, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, thank you so much. Good to be on here with you, Steve. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It's wonderful to be speaking with you today. And the more I learn about you, the more impressed I get. Well, thank you kindly. I'm uh, I'm so thankful to be on your show and to talk to you and your listeners and uh, just share some of the neat things that's been going on. 
Well, Alex, um, uh, many of the listeners may be curious, where are you joining me from today? Well, I'm actually, I just got done with an event um, in Fullerton, California, near Anaheim area, near, near where Mickey Mouse lives part of the time. <laughs> so, And uh, it's been a, a, a busy week. Um, this is my 20th anniversary in ministry as a musicianary, traveling with music, and um, it's led me to do so many different things. But like Sunday, I was at the Richard Nixon Library for my patriotic concert, and uh, that was exciting. And yesterday in Alhambra, and today in Fullerton, tonight in Linwood. And then Sunday in Rosita, and then I'll be back home in Nashville next week. Well, I appreciate that you've taken the time to, to join me here on Hollywood and Beyond today. Well, okay, that takes, uh, that takes care of uh, where you are um, uh, calling <laughs> me from. But um, where are you actually from? How about we go um, back even further, and, and where did you grow up at? I grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, in the... Um, you know, it's almost like a meat locker, how much snow we get and how much cold we get up there. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Most of my life was there. We lived in Arkansas for about five years as a family, and then we moved back to Michigan um, uh, five years later. And then about nine years ago, I moved to Nashville, Tennessee, in Music City, USA. Beautiful Tennessee. Uh, I used to yeah. reside and, and live in Knoxville, Tennessee. I would say from the mid-90s to the very late 90s, 1999, around September, I moved back home to uh, uh, Ohio, uh, where I am originally from. But I have to tell you, I, I have a soft spot in my heart for Tennessee, Alex. Beautiful state. Oh, nice. Oh, it is a beautiful state, great people. It sure is. Now, so you are this skilled, very skilled pianist. I'm so impressed uh, with what I've uh, watched on YouTube. So if anybody's listening out there after the interview, you can go on YouTube and, and watch him actually play uh, the piano in such a beautiful and skilled fashion. But um, let me ask you, Alex, where did your love of music, I would say, first begin and then your love for playing the piano? How did that all start for you? Yeah, I was interested. You know, I had to back up to a time that I know nothing about, which was you know being an infant, because most of us really don't know what's going on when we're an infant. But my mom tells me the story that she saw something with the connection to music and me, because she would put on a tape, back then it was tapes, and um, you know, side A would be playing. Well, she could do anything in the house, cook, clean, laundry, whatever she wanted to, work on things. Um, and as long as the tape was going, I would basically shut up and be okay. You know, she wouldn't have to worry about me. But as soon as the music stopped, she, I would start being fussy and start crying. And so all she would have to do is turn the tape over, hit play, and I would be quiet again. And she thought, wow, you know, maybe one day God will use him for something. Maybe it's music. And um, so my early influences were coming home from church and hearing the music of the church. And um, I'm first American-born. My parents came from Hungary, so we really didn't have a whole lot growing up. But there was a family that had donated a World War II organ to, to our family. And um, I remember coming home and trying to point out what I heard in church. And those were my first keyboard experiences. And um, there was just something about that I felt so connected to the music. So the music was speaking to your heart. Most definitely. Yeah, and it was something that just felt so different uh, than what I heard anywhere else. Well, that's very interesting. Thanks for sharing that. Um, oh, you're welcome. When did um, the um, interest in, in not only playing the piano, but when did it occur to you that, wow, I, I actually want to make this into something extra significant? 
early on, you know, finding out where all this music would lead, it really hit me at about 14 because I was taking piano lessons and working on so many, um, you know, the classics and working on some of the jazz things and always trying to incorporate the gospel music into things, which is very, you know, where my passion started to come. And so after doing the mix of music styles um, and then, you know, growing up in, in church and in the faith, it just really led me well. It was a gospel music that changed my life. Maybe God could use me as a tool to change other lives. And that's when gospel music became more and more important. And so I was about 14. At 17, uh, I went on a, a tour of music schools to check them out first, but then have to audition because at the university level, you have to not only be accepted by the university, you have to be accepted into the School of Music. So I ended up at Central Michigan University, their School of Music. Um, ended up with a music education degree, degree um, K-12, and a music composition degree. And was there a specific moment that you recall as far as when or how um, or why your journey um, with your faith first started? Do you have a defining moment, or was it always something you were brought up with, or is it something that you discovered along the way, so to speak? Oh, that's a great question. What, what happened was... Um, I grew up in the church, but, you know, when you're a kid, you're still trying to figure out things and think about things. And so it wasn't until um, my pastor in Michigan, Ed Dobson, I was there for, uh, to see a music production at Christmas time, which they called Festival of Lights. Festival of Lights had like 100,000 lights inside the sanctuary, and they would flash, and there was quite a, a full orchestra, and then there was drama with it. Well... I mean, I was just so, as a 12-year-old, I was so moved by that music and what I saw and, you know, the visual of everything and then the, the stories and testimonies that were given that night. And then at the end, Pastor Dobson had come up and, and shared the Christmas message and story. And that's where, that was the turning point for me because then I gave my life to Christ. And so uh, two years later, I, I said a very short prayer, which was, God, use me. And I had no idea where that would lead. And uh, it's led me to where I am you know, today, 20 years later, um, just serving many churches. And there have been some opportunities I've done that I never thought I would have an opportunity for. And so I just, you know, at 20 years, I'm just sitting here with just a, a grateful heart. And you are doing some amazing things. There's just no doubt about it. And, and being grateful, boy, that, that uh, can change one's outlook um, in so many ways. That's wonderful to hear, too. And now you have a degree in music education. Is that correct? Yes, yep, music education and then also a composition degree. Well, the more I watch you play on, for example, um, on YouTube, uh, the, the the question comes to mind. I mean, how much training does it take, Alex, to be <laughs> that good? I mean, obviously, it's going yeah. to take a lot of hours and practice. But when you kind sure. of look back, let, let's say the first few years, just to get yourself really good, uh, how much commitment does it take to play as well as you do? Well, you know, I mean, early on uh, in like middle school and uh, it was, you know, trying to practice 45 minutes, but by high school, trying to do two hours a day. Then by college, you pretty much, you know, we, we kind of teased each other in college because we had, you know, they're all numbered, the practice rooms, but we called them jail cells because you really <laughs> would stay there forever. You know? <laughs> so, you'd be past the music building closing, which we probably shouldn't have been. But I tell you what, it's, it's the amount of time put in, but it's also 
the people, the relationships that are in our lives. And for me, it was a remarkable woman that I studied with, and she's there at the university now teaching. I think this is her 24th year teaching there. Um, so when I got there, she was only teaching three years at the university level, but her name is Dr. Alexandra Mascolo david And I studied with her um, the entire five years I was there working on my degrees. And she's Portuguese, and so she brought, you know, I'm pretty much Hungarian. I'm first American-born, but I have a Hungarian heritage. So it worked so well with her style of teaching and her background uh, personally and mine that it was just a very good fit. But this is the funny part about it. That first year, I didn't play any music. It was all working on technique and repertoire and how not to hurt your hands, how to play um, without damaging any of the tendons. And a lot of those principles that she teaches, and she, she's one of a handful that teaches this technique and that I was blessed to learn, it's allowed me to play without having any pain in my hands for so many years now. Well, that is very interesting. Thanks for sharing that. And oh, I noticed welcome. that you like to um, make a point of letting folks know that um, you are helping to spread your uh, faith or, um, you know, you, that you are ministering, as you put it, mm. through your music. And my question to yeah. you is, is that something you just discovered along the way as you started to learn the piano? And did you ever consider becoming, let's say, a pastor or taking a different approach? Mm. Or for you, is it really music is the way that you communicate um, your faith to others? Yeah, if you were to come to a concert, I mean, it would be such a mix of things because I do the traditional worship songs. I also do the contemporary worship songs because, um, you know, we have to do both. There's a place for both. Um, if we say that uh, we only do contemporary music, then we're just saying God can only do cool things in the last few years. If we do only hymns, uh, then we're saying that God has already done cool things. So, and, and worship songs, I learned from my past, current pastor now, Pastor Dan Scott, is that worship songs is how we feel about God, which I agree with, and hymns are how we think about God, and God equally cares about both parts. <clears throat> and so if you were to come to a concert, you would see and hear many different styles of music within the, the, the church music world. Um, and I try to do some other things, too, in the mix of things, but I also... Uh, minister. Our our slogan for the uh, ministry is music that ministers. So there are times the playing is the preaching, but I also get up and share uh, God's Word to encourage. I mean, these days, in 2018, Steve, who does not need encouragement? We all need encouragement. And so when I go into church, my prayer is that I've been able to encourage the congregation that has come, the visitors that have come, as well as the church staff that is there uh, you know, in a way in the trenches, um, ministering to the people, because every single person on this planet needs encouragement. No doubt about it, especially in a uh, very hectic and, and often, um, you know, troubling world. Um, a lot of That's obstacles right. to, to, that are in front of us and, and, and a lot of uh, things that need to be dealt with. But yes, absolutely. Encouragement is just is such a wonderful thing. So I really uh, commend you on that uh, approach that you take. Um, that sounds absolutely fantastic. So you have played, obviously, lots of performances, lots of uh, different areas across the country. 
And I came across yeah. some information that have totaled around 2,000 churches in total that you've uh, played at or at least attended. Yeah, I've, I've, yeah, I've done 2,000 ministry events uh, wow. concerts, uh, all around the world. It's been a whole mix between um, you know the United States and Australia, New Zealand, uh, the Caribbean, uh, Hungary. Went back to Hungary with a full orchestra. Um, oh, wow! And, so uh, way beyond the country. Yeah. I mean, you. Uh, oh yeah. The then. Really? Yeah. I, I was in um, uh, the Holy Land. I took a group of people there and did a concert in Bethlehem. And let me tell you, for someone who's been playing since he was six, a little time in Bethlehem, to play that in Bethlehem was amazing. And actually, I'm taking another group next year. Uh, so if people want to sign up, they can sign up for that too. But um, and then our partnership is with Food for the Hungry, where we've through this is what's amazing through a piano ministry event. We've been able to find sponsorship for 700 kids because we lose 22,000 of them a day. And so um, we're trying to do what we can. That's our mission segment to the ministry. Uh, I was just in the Dominican Republic uh, to see what Food for the Hungry is doing, how they get the water in there, how they get you know, the, the needs to the people, how they get food and education. And, so, and I met my sponsored child. His name is Claudio. And it was just so amazing to have that connection because sometimes people go, oh, is this a real thing? Let me tell you, this is, I mean, there's nothing more real <laughs> than being able to talk about encouragement and impacting someone's life when you can save their lives for about a dollar and 18 cents a day. It's incredible. Well, like I often tell people, if we all um, uh, support each other, we can all do great things together. And that's exactly that's what right. you're doing. If we can uh, uplift each other and, and support even those people we don't know. Even strangers, yep. um, you know what? It makes a huge difference, and I, uh, that is just wonderful to hear. I have a lot of respect and admiration for what you're doing there. That is wonderful, and I know you do it with energy and enthusiasm and and, and intelligence. You've got all the right combination. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Well, I'm you're very passionate about it. Well, I'm passionate about what I do because the life change that I've seen that has happened, and yeah, you know, one thing about instrumentalists, unlike vocalists, we can, on the radio charts, we're low on the totem pole because everybody wants to hear the vocal line. But, you know, we can drop a piano anywhere in the world, and I can speak in that language. <laughs> That's right. It's but universal language, I can play, isn't it? Yeah, I can play in Hungarian and Russian and you know, Chinese. And, you know, <laughs> so, That's right. It you really have, is. You have uh, no filter <laughs> issues. You can play anywhere. And, and, hey, lots of actors can't say that because... Uh, They've got to get their voice dubbed if they're in another country. So, uh, that's, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's wonderful. So, this is a great time to ask you this question, and yeah. I'm very curious, Alex. Has there been any other pianos, uh, other individuals that play the piano that has uh, inspired you? Um, you're making me think of Floyd Kramer. My grandmother, who raised me, used to listen to him a lot. And wow, uh -huh. talk about a skilled piano player. He, he was magnificent. But who hasn't influenced you, I mean, in regards to um, your style of play? Yeah, you know, I, I, I've loved, I, I do know who you're talking about with Floyd Kramer. And uh, it's interesting you mentioned uh, Floyd because his grandson is uh, in Nashville. Uh, I don't know if he's still doing it, but he was doing a tribute concert to his grandfather and the oh, style that wow. he played on the General Jackson, yeah, which is a little boat ride that you take through the Cumberland River, which is the main uh, artery through Nashville. But, yeah, it's, um, I listen to so many different pianists in different styles. You know, if you went to the, to the jazz era, you know, I mean, I love, uh, like, Duke Ellington and what he would do. And, 
um, I marvel at some of his work because you know, he wrote most of his compositions on a bus. He had it all in his head. And he also knew how to treat people. There was a, I remember hearing a story of him being interviewed. And he said, you know, all these other bands, Count Basie and so on and so on, they keep their people for two, three, four years, but you're keeping people for 10, 15 years. And he turned to the camera and he said, well, it's easy. I take care of them. So, you know, I like getting to know some of these people that are in our musical uh, history. In the Christian world, I listen to a lot of the Christian uh, pianists, uh, you know, in the last 10, 20, 30 years that have been doing ministry. And, um, and I have a bunch of uh, friends. Uh, you know, we've done like piano ramas. And so I always love working with other pianists and doing concerts together. That's always a, a neat thing to do. One of them is, it's how I got to do some things for Disney is a friend of mine by the name of Rob Richards. He's a house theater organist for almost 20 years now at the El Capitan Theater, which is across from the Chinese Theater on Hollywood Boulevard. And we did one concert called um, uh, Disney Pipes and Pops, where we did music um, from 1928 up to, until that time, which I think was 2012. And then we were honored to do um, Richard Sherman of the Sherman Brothers to do his tribute concert for him for the Walt Disney Company. And um, I was so nervous <laughs> to play this music. Number one, <laughs> everybody knows this music. You know, it's a small world, Winnie the Pooh, Jungle Book, mm-hmm. uh, Mary Poppins. And so it's like, oh, Lord, please let me not hit a wrong note. <laughs> you know. And then on top of it, having Richard Sherman be in the sixth row in the theater, it's like, oh, my goodness. But he is the nicest, kindest man I met. I mean, you know, he's got the Grammys, he's got the Academy Award, all that stuff. For what he and his brother did. And, you know, they're the last link to Walt Disney. And it was just so thrilling to do that. And then to to get to know him and to, uh, uh, you know, be able to play his music for him in front of him for for his tribute concert. I just, you know, I still pinch myself on that from that time. I was like, wow. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> I bet. No doubt about it. Well, like, like I'll writing, tell you what. You don't just play the piano. You also have the Alec Jolt uh, Music Academy. Uh, What is that all about? Yeah, well, you know, I've I've noticed some things, and um, (laughs) if there are any people who uh, work at a university or teach at a university, I I got frustrated with something, that most music schools do not teach uh, the business side of music. And that can be whether it's, you know, music, of, it can be Christian music, even because you have to run things a certain way in, in there. You know, there's still the business side of things or pop music or rap or any kind of music if you want to talk about. There's some principles in there that work. And I got frustrated seeing all these kids going to music school to learn how to perform, but they don't know, they're not taught how to perform. <laughs> they're not taught how to get beyond the practice room. You know, I they'll see. spend you know, 100% of their time on the music and 2% on how the concerts look like, you know? <laughs> so, right. yeah, they're not yes. spending, you know, yeah, they're not being taught those things. And um, I'm very, I've, I've been fortunate to go into universities to teach some master classes or do Skype sessions with people or teach them how to do bookings. Um, because I think, you know, when we're out there, we're doing this, we have to keep that encouragement going, and especially to young people, and tell them how we need to do things. And you'll find that, you know, in New York and Los Angeles and Nashville, there are universities that do have a program or degrees in music business. But beyond that, it's really, it's not that common. 
And so um, I tried a business course called Music Business 101 and just open students' eyes to what they can do. And then also I've also, um, I was a little redundant, I said also twice, but I've also been able to do private lessons with uh, through Skype with some people that have uh, called or sometimes even at the, at the house. And, uh, uh, you know, because performers should teach and pass on, otherwise things can die out. So in a way, I'm, I'm hoping and praying that I'm, I'm able to leave something with other people to continue, number one, uh, if it's in ministry, the gospel message, but two, just to, to help people, to encourage people, saying, yes, music is a tough, tough path, hmm. but there are ways to succeed and to, to, to get your music out there. Absolutely. And anything worthwhile, as you know, Alex, does take a lot of commitment, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, there's an old saying, the only place where success comes before work is in the dictionary. <laughs> mm, there you go. <laughs> and that's probably the only place as well. That's the only place. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you uh, happen to win the lottery, that's pretty much how it goes. And even That's then, right. it might require the, the usual format. You just might have a little bit of a, uh, extra cash to help you along the way. But uh, Now, do you well, offer private right. lessons as well? I think that's something that I saw that you uh, offer through the Academy. Yeah, I do. Um, and uh, I, because I travel a lot, I have to be careful. Um, here and there, I've done little kids, but it's hard because I need a consistent teacher every week. But I do have a couple adult students right now. Uh, that I've been working with and trying to teach them, and then um, even doing Skype sessions. And, and it goes beyond just a, a lesson at the piano. Uh, a lot of it is also part of the whole um, music business 101 about, you know, how to become effective at booking. And here's a, here's a big misnomer. A lot of people think that you have to have a booking agent, uh, and once you get a booking agent, that all your problems are you know, gone away, and this person is going to book you every single place. Well, and that was my impression early on, because when I was at music school, I was in a way building the ministry, and I signed with a company out of New York. And, you know, Steve, nothing happened. I mean, nothing happened. And then I realized two things. One, I was on the back burner because I was not a major client, nor bringing in income for that record um, uh, uh, person. And then on, on top of it, it was a great lesson for me that said you're no one's going to be as passionate about what you do than you and so what we've done is we've set up the ministry where it really is a ministry it's a 501c3 and here's where i do have help i have help from board members so as a 501c3 you have to have a board so i have a board that helps and um uh guides and gives direction we pray together and they give me encouragement and so I, what I would suggest and offer as advice, especially to young people, is that, you know, you may shoot for that, either a record deal or a booking agency or whatever it is, but, but find the close people around you. They're your team. They're your team that will help you, that are there for you, and right. start there. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, excellent. That, that All that is excellent. And, and you um, uh, also have written uh, books uh, or musical arrangements in, in quite a, a, a high amount of them as well, it appears. Yeah, I've, I've, there's three publishers. Um, one is Alfred Music, uh, and I've done about five books with them, and they're all themed wow. differently. Some are Christmas, some are um, 
uh, one's called the blended service, one's the traditional, one's contemporary, and mm-hmm. I've arranged for Hal Leonard and Lilliness and Lorenz, and just getting, I, I'm so thankful for that outlet because finally I get all these music notes out of my head on the paper and for others to be able to use for their church services or concerts or whatever it might be, or students who are studying. And I believe you are working on your 20th CD, which uh, has a significant uh, meaning to you, doesn't it? The number 20. It does. <laughs> it does. I, I can't believe it. it's been, you know, album 20, and, and which means also 20 years that I've been on the road as a musicianary. And so it's, um, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> it's just crazy to think about, wow. Steve. It really is how fast 20 years have gone. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Most well. But it's exciting. It's uh um, there's so many different albums too. You know, there's like the patriotic, there's uh, hymns, there's worship songs, uh, there's the Christmas ones, a Disney one even. Um, one of my most recent ones, um, I think your listeners might like this one. I, I saw that people were re- releasing albums like songs of the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, all these love songs of the decade. And I thought, well, wait a minute, there's so many love songs out there. Uh-huh. Why not take people on a musical journey and tapestry of a hundred years? So. I picked one song from each decade from 1920s till 2010s and just kind of give people uh, a palette for their ears of how love songs have changed over 100 years. Wow, what a very creative idea. I love that. Oh, thanks. That's, um, you know, for the listeners out there, some, but perhaps probably not all, might not know I was raised by my grandparents and my grandmother mm. in particular loved music. I always heard the Carpenters on, Patsy Cline, Kenny Rogers, Nat King Cole, nice. uh, et cetera, et cetera. So I have a taste of music from those type of artists. So something that you're describing sounds very appealing to me. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was really neat because I started with a list of 500 songs. I looked at which ones were, you know, top 10 or number ones. Um, and then I kept narrowing it down, narrowing it down. Well, I needed 10. I ended up with 12. I put two of them on as bonus tracks because I couldn't decide on those last two. But, you know, it starts off with like Always, then Somewhere Over the Rainbow, um, Misty, uh, What the World Needs Now. Um, I couldn't leave Bread out from the 1970s with If, Islands oh, in the Stream. Absolutely. Uh Oddly enough, I don't know if you remember that uh, movie Armageddon. Do you remember that there was that song in there, I Don't Want to Miss a Thing by Errol yes. Smith? <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I did a piano version of that Errol Smith song. So you've got a little bit of Errol Smith as well. Now, that's, uh, yeah. that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's pretty cool. You, that's, yeah. You've got a little bit of an edge to you. That's good, too. <laughs> it's branch out a little bit, isn't it? Well, it is. And, uh, um, <laughs> you know, and I tried to do some, you know, where it also connects with the movie. Um, so that there's Only Hope, which uh, is the Mandy Moore movie, A Walk to Remember. And I think I ended it with John Legend's uh, All of Me. Um, so it's, yes. uh, it, was, it was quite an album to work on because I didn't know where, when I started this concert, I didn't know where it would end. And I didn't know what songs would be on there. And, you know, it's, as Nashville said, it starts with a song. That's the slogan in the town of Nashville. It all starts with a song. And so... I uh, yes. kind of know what that definition means, you know, because you look yeah, at the lyrics, yes. you look at everything that made a song uh-huh. so popular, you know. So I did not um, expect hey, you to mention Aerosmith. That that was well, uh, yeah. <laughs> that was an, uh, quite a surprise. <laughs> well, Alex, one thing I noticed uh, with the artist you were describing was uh, mentioning bread and including them because David Gates speaking about a a, a singing voice. I always found his mm-hmm. voice to be so just 
very uh, emotional and moving and like you truly believe what he is seeing it really that 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 this is that he loves this person or that he's feeling right. this type of uh sadness or uh that he has this kind of um you know uh hope or whatever it is uh david gates what mm. a beautiful voice well and what a talent i mean david gates and brett i mean just the i really don't think i mean if i were to look at favorite uh lyricists and and writers of music between mm -hmm. the melody and the, the lyric i would say david gates because i mean just the words that he used like oh, yes. the, his song diary you know it takes you along a journey and then all yes. of the last verse is just is a turnaround for the song so if if you're listening i've never heard the song diary go check it out by david gates and brett it's um, it's amazing and if you um haven't heard some of his recent stuff um there's some um, there's one called find me and it oh, talks okay. about you know when this life is over um and your spouse is up there he's you know talking to his wife and saying you know find me and uh, oh, wow. uh, actually, it's the other way around. He's up there. Find me. He'll be the one who's glowing. You know, he always does when he sees her. So it's just you have to listen to that song. It's just I'm so powerful. Soon, I wasn't even aware of that, and that sounds yeah absolutely amazing. And you mentioned Diary, a wonderful song, and and two of my favorites would be um, uh, If, of course. I mean, mm -hmm. just uh, boy, w what a deep feeling song, Aubrey. Yeah, what a beautiful song, song Aubrey is, and um, just. <clears throat> Wonderful yeah. artist. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. Now, um, oh, you're people out there uh, listening today, and they've learned so much about you if they didn't already know a lot about these facts. So th I, I know that there are lots of ways for them to learn more about you on their own. And how would they go about doing that, such as a website or social media pages? Yeah. How would they go about doing yeah. that? Can we make it real easy for your listeners? And if you want to go <laughs> to the website, it's pianocreations.com, pianocreations, plural, dot com. And everything on social media is Piano Creations. So if you're looking on Facebook, it's Piano Creations. Instagram, Piano Creations. Uh, LinkedIn, Piano Creations. Everything's Piano Creations. YouTube. So <laughs> it's a lot and easier YouTube, than my I last believe. name. I believe uh, yeah. you can look up your name, but then you see what you just uh, what you are saying as the as the title, so to speak. Correct. Yes. Yeah. And there's tons of videos there, and you know all the albums and iTunes that carries them, and uh, some of the streaming sites. We haven't done uh, all the streaming sites yet just because we're figuring out and working on some of the copyright things with the copyrighted songs. So, sure, uh, sure. well, make sure we do it right. <laughs> hey, that's know? the so, best way to do anything is try to do it the right way. That's right. It'll serve you better in the long run, no doubt, of, doubt about it. Um, now, uh, what I noticed when I was on YouTube looking at your videos, which I really enjoy and I want to encourage my listeners – when, when you're done listening to this interview, just head over to YouTube and, and check out this talented man. Um, it looks like you uh, auditioned for America's Got Talent a few years ago. Yeah, I did. I think about six years ago or so. And, uh, <laughs> wow. What was that, that like? That front end. Oh, well, it was interesting. I mean, it's, it was the initial um, uh, start to the – I think it was season eight or something. And so it's a submission process and everything. And uh, – uh, yeah, I mean, it was a great process, but unfortunately, I didn't get to uh, go any further. So, I mean, it might be time to try it again, you know, as I always sure, say, to try it sure. again, Sam. So, uh, I, because I'd, I'd love to do a show like that um, and uh, just share with more people what I do. And, you know, uh, Alex, uh, I tell people um, if you give something your absolute best efforts, then you have never failed. So the fact that you 
took that competition and you gave it your best, that means, uh, you know, in the end, everything's going to be okay. You're, you're absolutely right. And, um, and, you know, I think you're right. We have to give our best. And one of the ways I look at it, too, is God gave his best, so we have to give our best no matter what. Well, um, before we conclude, um, you shared a, a, a very fun and interesting story uh, off the air as we were getting to know each other a little better, and I thought this would be a wonderful way to conclude the interview. And, and you know what? Yeah. I honestly did not think of this question, so I have to tip my hat to you, <laughs> even though it was probably staring right there in front of me. And that is uh, mentioning bugs that could interfere with a concert <laughs> or a performance, um, and you mentioned some one of that, that uh, really caused an issue. Yeah, well, that's funny. I was um, at a, a driving church up in Michigan, um, and it was so funny because uh, their slogan is, come as you are, worshiping your car. So all these cars come out, and people can stay in their car. They can come out, put their lawn chairs in. But the way they show their appreciation, instead of clapping, they honk their horns, you know? <laughs> it's kind of funny. <laughs> so, And then um, they can tune into the station and dial in the frequency and everything and get the music that way, too. But... Um, I was there this past July, and I haven't been there in almost 10 years. And this is, so this was about 10 years ago. I'm on the platform, and I'm playing, and all of a sudden, there was a bug that flew up my nose. And I was like, mm. what am I going to do? It was during the middle of the song. And so, there I am playing, and this thing, and it would just not die. It just kept, you know, <laughs> buzzing around up there. <laughs> it's like you can't do anything. I mean, then it looks like you're picking your nose or something, you know? <laughs> So right. I just played the other song, and, and, you know, even something like that, I thought, well, at least I'm grateful I wasn't a bird or something. <laughs> well, that's right, and hey, the show must go on, right? <laughs> and that's right, that's right, you can't <laughs> stop for nothing. <laughs> And you, yes, as long uh, as having a bird collide into you while you're playing is probably not uh, an ideal event to happen. So we'll take the bug. Yeah, especially going up the nose. That would not be good. Um, uh, that's. I think that's almost worse worse than the mouth because um, <clears throat> at least you can kind of cough it out, right? You know, kind of clear that's the right. throat and <clears throat> do this. But uh, that's another issue when it starts to go in in, in that direction. That's right. <laughs> Well, Alex, it's been oh. a pure joy speaking with you, and I'll tell you what, I've had actors and directors and writers and people from all different backgrounds uh, in, mm. the, um, uh, you know, in, in the industry uh, in, with a connection to Hollywood or at least artistic projects, and, and it's wonderful that you are the first pianist that I've had on the show, and I couldn't have asked for a wow. better or more talented person. Well, thank you kindly. That's very kind to say, and I've uh, um, been excited about being on your show and so happy we could work it out. And thank you for the invitation to have me on. Well, you are most welcome. It's my pleasure and honor. And it's also my pleasure and honor to uh, be presenting these uh, meaningful interviews for all of you wonderful listeners out there. And today would be a prime example of just that. Well, this is host Stephen Brittingham. I'll see you on another episode of Hollywood and Beyond. Take care. Thank you.
Hi, this is Stephen. Be sure to visit Hollywood and Beyond with Stephen Birmingham on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter today for upcoming guests and show news. You'll find trailers and promos, exclusive photos, as well as interesting information about current, upcoming, as well as past guests. Don't forget to like and follow the page so that we can keep in touch with each other. Thank you.